Hello? Hi, it's Robert. Do you want to be on the show? Never call me again. Hello, welcome. My name is Robert, and this is Never Call Me Again. Alex, how are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. How yeah, are you, Robert? How, I'm not doing too badly. How is, um, what's going on in Philly today? Uh, not too much. It's, um, it's super cold, and I live right near the woods, actually, so it's kind of this this strange like wooded paradise part of Philadelphia um, that really doesn't feel like Philly at all. Um, so yeah, I spent a lot of time back there and yeah, now it's getting to the point of frost that for me is just, it's just too much. I feel like I can rock with, I can rock with the winter to a certain point and then it's crossed the threshold for me. I'm out. So <laughs> yeah, I'm trying not, try not to complain. Looking at who you are and what you've done, you've, um, You've worked, you've done some interesting things in the past musically, and, and you've worked with some really diverse people. And um, there was a there was a, a parallel drawn between you and Elliot Smith, which I, mm. I kind of can see, you know, and I don't know if that was a self-designation or if someone else, you know, said that. And, and I see that you also worked with Benji Hughes, which that yes. I can see. But um, Mr. Motherfucking... Um, Esquire, Esquire. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and so <laughs> I I know the music and I'm thinking, I wonder what his role was your role with with him? What did you do with him? Yeah. I mean, the, the kind of place where all of these people converge was uh, the studio um, in, in New York City called Frisbee, where I worked for, um, I think, like five or six years. And so I was kind of like the main engineer producer. So just always the person behind the helm. Um, but, you know, so I'd be co-writing with people all the time that would come through the studio. So Esquire, um, he came through. I, I'm not sure what to work on initially, but eventually he became kind of a person that was spending a lot of time at Frisbee and just work. I mean, he's so talented and. You know, it was just always working on some really great music. So, I, you know, I really just got to know him as myself being kind of the engineer, producer, and um, and him as the artist. But, you know, we, we became we became friends in that time. And, you know, it is definitely funny because our, our musical backgrounds are pretty much as different as you can get. But, I mean, there was, there was some connection there. And um, I don't know if you've listened to my first record, uh, but he I, I have a collaboration with him that was really, really great. And it just came about because I was like, Hey man, like, do you want to just, do you want to just try to write, uh, write a verse for this song? And, and he did it. And it was just kind of one of those magical moments. When, um, you know, he just did it really quickly and it just worked in, in this way. So, uh, you know, th those are really great times and I don't talk to him. It's really been a while, sadly, since I've talked to him, but, um, yeah, just, just different worlds converging. Um, kind of magically which was which was great and i mean ben you know benji i could definitely i could talk about him uh for a lot longer because we we really we became very close i think uh personally and musically because he um he was kind of almost just an artist 
an artist in residence there and he would just kind of live there for months at a time and work on records and and i was doing a lot on those i mean i was you know playing playing a bunch of instruments and co-writing at times and um so he yeah he is a huge influence on me in, in a lot of ways for sure nice and so what what instruments do you play i see the i see the guitar back there what what all do you play yeah i play guitar piano um saxophone which is really what i started on and uh i don't know i mean i don't really like to say drums but i can fake my way through <laughs> I, I, I could I fake my way through some drums i i saw you on the drums on instagram yesterday and, uh, uh, oh yeah that's true they've been on my mind yeah and so here you are I, I i go on instagram and here you are just getting down on everything and i'm thinking you know i know he's got i know he knows he has a show tomorrow and I don't know if he's warming up or if he's going to save some or, or, or what, <laughs> because I, I really think that I really think the listeners would love to hear you do something. Um, <laughs> sure, right. So, right. We're yeah. going to play some of your music, but, um, you know, just a little off the cuff thing would, would probably be super cool. Um, totally. And so as a, as a producer, you know, this is a question. And so I, um, I talk to a lot of artists and, I, and I've kind of been trying to set up somebody who is, is like the behind the scenes producer type. And, um, and you kind of fit that bill with, mm -hmm. um, with that. And, um, you know, I have never been and, and a lot of people, unless you're a, a musician that, you know, is out at the studio, a lot of people have never been in a studio. And so I think, you know, my experience is what I see on television. And so are you, are you the, are, is, is the producer, are you the guy at the, at the big board? Are you the one, you know, on this side of the glass I, uh, saying this is what's going to happen? That's a good question. I mean, I'm kind of just a, a, a lost soul musically. Um, you know, and I've, I've been, I've been in a lot of different roles and I definitely, I think came into recording just because frankly, I wanted to write my own, I wanted to write my own music and that seemed like a way that made a lot more sense to me than playing playing shows and playing live. I mean, I definitely like the idea of being in my basement growing up as like a teenager and, um, you know, having a pretty basic recording rig and writing songs that way just made more sense to me really because I'm kind of a classic jack of all trades, master of none, you know, like I'm good enough at kind of each instrument um, to put something together to make my own stuff, but I wouldn't consider myself like anywhere near a virtuoso at any one thing. Um, so that's what I really liked about where I kind of gravitated towards technology because I was just like, oh, I can multi-track all these different things and stack them up and, you know, make some kind of unique sounding things that felt um, that felt good to me instead of just getting on a stage and singing and playing guitar. So that's kind of where I came from. But I, I think uh, when I found myself on the other side of the glass, almost exclusively for a couple of years when I was really just engineering and producing all the time, I did get kind of tired of it. And I felt my artist self kind of budding back into the scene. Like, you know, let me out, let me out from behind the glass and it's, you know, start making your own music more and singing. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a little all over the place with that. And I kind of, I bridge both worlds, I think. Yeah. But I mean, I, you would think that that's going to give you the, the flexibility of, you know, not only understanding, you know, both sides of, of, of what's happening and, and, and how everything works musically and, and, 
you know, as far as, you know, from writing to playing to producing to, you know, here's the finished product. Yeah. Um, does it, do you think it gives you more, ultimately more creative freedom in, in, in the sense of being able to accomplish each and every level of that all the way to the finished product? Yeah, I think so, because you can really take your time with with a computer and um, software or whatever your pro tools or whatever you're using, and you could just mess up. You could mess up a bunch. Um, and I think building, you know, like building keyboard parts and stacking them up on top of each other is a lot different of a skill than just getting out on a grand piano and playing like a like a Chopin piece or something it's just a totally different skill set it's not like one is better than the other obviously but um yeah it's gravitate towards towards the former i guess for creativity reasons but also like i'm saying before and i'm not just trying to be self-deprecating but for lack of for lack of talent i mean i don't think i ever had the patience as a teenager or or a kid to like practice one thing really hard i would just always be getting distracted and be like well I just want to listen to like I just want to listen to Nirvana. I can't focus on practicing <laughs> Chopin or whatever. And I was never in a I don't know why I keep going back to Chopin. I do love Chopin. But uh, I was never it's not like I was ever in that position anyway, so I just kind of went with what I was into if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so when you're doing these these keyboard stacks, is this um And so you're doing this on like a, a MIDI. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Just through midi keyboard and um yeah i wish i had more that's kind of my dream like if i had a lot of money i would love to buy more <laughs> actual like <laughs> actual synthesizers that you could touch and um but i'm just not in that position right now so i just have a kind of a lot of stuff in the computer or in the box as they say yeah and those are like are, are plugins yeah are exactly like, yeah yeah i see those yeah. and um you know, you can, you can pretty much duplicate or replicate pretty much anything now. And I get that. I, and so yeah. I don't use any of that stuff, but I get what you're saying because I see them and, um, you know, and so the, you've got this plugin and it actually looks like the component. And, um, I think, you know, God, it would be so much cooler just to have it in the room and to touch it and to use it. And, and, yeah. you know, the, the digital stuff's pretty amazing. I mean, most of the artists I, I talk to are using, you know, digital synthesizers, whatever it is they're doing. And, and they're making this amazing music. And um, mm -hmm. it's, it's just interesting that, that that can be done that way. And so you used to, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say I agree with you and that they've gotten so much better because in like the mid 2000s you'd be talking about a guitar simulation modeler and it was like well that just sucks i don't <laughs> i'm just going to get an amp because an amp sounds way better and then fast forward to 2021 and the guitar amp modelers sound pretty can i can i curse on this absolutely <laughs> they sound they sound pretty fucking good now and you're like, I mean, I would still love to have a million amps in the room, but I mean, damn, like, I think you can fool a lot of people at this point um, with the technology. So that's, that's pretty something we can feel good about, I think, as a, as a species that we've, we've come that far. Yeah, it is cool. Because um, you can imagine, I mean, early on, it's got to just sound 
processed and it's it's like it's yeah. like it's like buying something that says hey flavored with or or you know and, yeah. and it always just tastes like saccharin or it's just always taste contrived and um yeah, so you know back to this this diverse background um mm -hmm. you um you wrote jingles for cereal ads and, <laughs> and i want to get into that i do but i have for a question two. for two Okay. Two, two Honey Nut Cheerio ones. I want to put that on the on the record as as an achievement. Not just one. Honey Nut And that's <laughs> a really popular cereal. So, you know, the thing yeah. is, is, I don't watch a lot of, um, just like regular television. Like, I stream stuff. Like, I watch, like, a, like I watch specific stuff and, and yeah, regular TV good. sucks. But um, if you were going to write a jingle for my for yeah. my show, what would it be? Can oh, wow. That? Can you just do that, like, on the fly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let me, we got Robert Reed coming from Kansas City, never call me again, podcast with Robert Reed, something nice. like that. Nice, nice. That was okay, that wasn't my best, so you give me more time, I'll make a better one. Right on, right on. Yeah, I, um, but, I, uh, and also I just want to credit, I realized that was a bit of a Dolly Parton influence, I think I was just ripping off. I'm working nine to five and it's and it's <laughs> the limit center and tune down. And I will put a put an ad out that the Dolly Parton documentary that's on Netflix right now is great. I think everyone should check it out. Did she just turn seventy five? Was it seventy five? That sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. You know, and so she she looks amazing, but I thought that she was older because I remember you know, I remember being like five and, you know, there were, there were albums in the house or, or she might've been talked about or was on television. And, and there was like, you know, I come from like the, the, the Dolly Parton Porter Wagner days. And, um, do you know what that is? You know, I just watched a documentary, so I should, but can you remind me? And so Porter Wagner, um, I should know more than I do since I brought it up. Porter Wagner was her, I think he was like her first husband or first husband that was like a musician. Oh, and, yeah, um, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so they had like a variety show together. And mm -hmm. she actually wrote the song that Whitney Houston made popular again in like the 80s or whatever it was in the Bodyguard movie. Um, yeah. The hell is the name of the song? Um, I, will always, I Will Always Love You. I Will Always Love You Too, Alex. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, uh, it, um, and so she wrote that song for Porter Wagner. She was leaving the show, I think, leaving the marriage, and mm. and so she wrote that. And it, I think maybe she did it on the last show or something like that. But it's crazy to think that, yeah. um, you know, it's interesting um, that someone your age or my age or or someone even younger than either of us can can draw influence from Dolly Parton or or from whoever and yeah. and I wonder you know when I talk to an artist I wonder who 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 was who's had the biggest impact musically you know in your life you know it doesn't even have to be a musician just who in your life has has impacted you and made you yeah. want to write or or helped you define who you are musically yeah I mean there's definitely a lot I mean, I, I will, before I answer that question, I will say that um, the Dolly Parton documentary has a demo of, of that song, um, of her just kind of writing it for the first time. And 
it's so amazing. Because one, I just love demos. I love hearing songwriters just kind of coming up with something um, for the first time. Like there's such a magic to it. And I can't say I'm particularly influenced by Dolly Parton, but um, I think after watching that, I was like, yes, I, I, I am more than I thought I was. But anyway, I mean, I think uh, in terms of influences, I mean, I definitely have some kind of key people. Uh, you pointed out Elliot Smith, which is definitely, I kind of put him in the category of uh, just people that are so deeply ingrained in my musical persona that it's almost, I almost forget about him as an influence, if that makes sense. But I mean, there was definitely about a year and a half, I'll say year and a half, two year period uh, in my late teens, early 20s, where I exclusively listened to Elliot Smith. I mean, just exclusively, like nothing else could even break through that mold. And I think that's, I tend to process music that way and just kind of hopping from uh, one person and just digesting their entire catalog. And that's all I can think about. That's all I can sing. And then kind of moving on to the next person. Um, so, you know, it's definitely was like that for him. Uh, Brian Wilson, uh, it was a huge influence for me as well. Um, I would say um, Joni Mitchell, Leonard Cohen. So a lot of a lot of us uh, 70s songwriter stuff. Um, I'm also it's not really politically. Uh, it's <laughs> it's not really politically in style, we'll say, to mention Morrissey, but I'm a pretty big Morrissey fan of his music. I mean, I can definitely get behind. <laughs> I think he said some pretty asinine and horrible things politically in the past couple of years. But, um, you know, that's this. Can you separate the art from the artist question? We could talk about that for the whole podcast. But but yeah, so he, he's been a Marcy and the Smiths, pretty big influence for me. Um, and then and then I'll and, and again, I could talk about this for a while. But there's a, a Swedish singer songwriter, Jens Lekman that have you ever heard of him? I haven't. He's been super influential to me, especially when I was working on this most recent record. Um, I just think his, his recent album, uh, Life Will See You Now, is just incredible from top to bottom. Um, and I was just really, really deeply obsessed with his music. I mean, his his production stylings, his lyrics, his everything is just just perfection. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a ton, there's a ton of people. And, and I do like that you mentioned non like i'm trying to think of non-artists that, that have inspired me i mean my family's weird because you know they weren't really explicitly musical um but i think they had a lot of musical talent like for example my mom um was always walking around the house and and you know and obviously she's just a white woman from the suburbs but she was just blues scatting all the live long day she would just like these crazy improvisational like like she was just doing this stuff all the time and i had no idea where it came from so and she'd probably laugh if uh if she heard this but it's true it's true so you know very musical people i feel like i had a i had an uncle who played sax and i even had this this was this one guy who was actually a, a really famous um film composer who is sonny kompanek who i'm related to as well and we got to meet a couple of times. I wasn't close with him, but he scored like a ton of movies. So you said music was floating around in the ether and I grabbed it. Nice, nice. And so um, 
you um what influenced this latest album yeah i mean so many things i i think really it was just uh the past five years pretty much everything that could i won't say all go wrong because there were a lot of positive things but there was just so much change i think crammed into one tiny little package um in the in in these kind of past five or six years um because i left my i left my job at the studio at, at the jingle the jingle house um and you know that was a big change that was a big change ended up moving to la um i kind of fell in love with my was then girlfriend and now is my wife so that's kind of a positive uh, aspect but you know we went through a lot together just moving across the country and then back to philly um and then really the most significant event was that my dad passed away from cancer um 2018 so almost three years now which is kind of crazy and that was really i would say the most impactful event i mean probably of my life frankly it really um really took me for a ride and uh grief was really on it really hit me in a lot of unexpected ways and those ways was this album i think in many ways this album was just me trying to kind of figure out you know what happens um what happened there and it, it just a, a way to express my feelings that i couldn't do so much in in just uh regular old verbal you know verbal conversation but i do feel grateful that i had music i mean i like to sometimes think well you know, what if I didn't have that outlet or something? What if I didn't have that way to 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 deal with grief? So I'm I'm grateful for that for sure. But you know, and then everything else just in the country, just kind of going to um just going to shit in a lot of ways and worrying about coups and you know, all all, all the political, <laughs> all the political yeah. stuff. It's just just a wild I mean my, really my life before like twenty fifteen just was pretty boring, frankly. And all of a sudden it was just like just the ground, like the Grand Canyon, just opening up and all this stuff happening. And I think that's pretty typical too of, um, of kind of this stage quote unquote of life of, cause you know, I'm so I'll be 32 in the summer. So like, you know, late twenties, early thirties, it's a very kind of, it's a very awkward time. I find it to be a very awkward time just developmentally because you're kind of leaving, you're leaving youth and, uh, but you're not quite an adult yet. Um, and just kind of pursuing a lot of things that are very uh very kind of unsexy because you know i feel like there's so much music well i think we we kind of fetishize in general we fetishize youth um in america and and elsewhere and it's kind of like well the only people who can make music are like tortured 19 year olds and and we act like we put them <laughs> we put them on a pedestal in a way like they have so much wisdom and it's like, guys, yeah, they're making some pretty beautiful music. I agree. Youth is beautiful, but you know, we gain more wisdom and maturity and why can't we talk about um, these things too? So that, that, so that was kind of what I was getting at with a lot of these songs too. in the marble jar was just like, how do I find a voice for these unsexy, awkward, not cool things? If, if that makes sense. It does. I, um, and so when we first started talking, I, um, you know, when I, and so before we even started talking, I found your music and, um, 
And so I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a play and see what it is. I listen to a ton of music. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of, I, I love music and, and it's really, really difficult to, mm-hmm. to find something that I will just be like, this fucking sucks and I don't want to listen to it. And so you got to really try hard to like lose me as a fan. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah. but I, I found your music and I, and so I'm like, okay, let me check this out. And, um, it was unbelievable. I, um, I just was like instantly hit with like, I got to sit down and talk to this guy. The music is unbelievable. It's just amazing. And, um, oh, for sure. And so the, um, New York will never be mine is the first track that I listened to. And, um, you know, and so when we first started talking, I was like, you know, I don't know what it is that I like, why I like it so much. I just like it and it makes me feel happy. And, and I think what I like about it is that, um, it, you know, and so listening to the album and, and especially listening to the album and then just listening to what you just said, it, it, it seems as if there's so much of you and so much, so much, um, so much honesty and so much ex- just exposure of this is who I am. And, and, and this is my, it's almost like it's this coming of age for you. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, when you, when you hear something that's that honest, you just gotta like it. You just gotta, you just gotta listen. Um, let's listen to, um, New York real quick. For sure. Yeah. Thank you. New York will never be mine. New York will never be yours. So let's quit wasting our time. Pack up and move on a dime. New York will never be mine. New York will never be real. New York lies and it steals. So if that's how you feel, it's your right to appeal. New York will never be real. So cry if you wanna, lie if you gotta, just get out while there's still time. I know there's kings and there's queens, but they're all yesterday's dreams. Now it's all Goldman and Sachs, J.P. Morgan and Rats, preying on us furry frisbees. And then there's Staten Island. I'd rather cut off my hands. Too many bloodthirsty cops loitering outside the shops to kill you and lie on the
New York will always be there. New York will always not care. So if you make it there, you won't make it anywhere else, 'cause you're literally trapped. Is that is that you leaving on the plane? <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. Yeah, pretty pretty on the nose there with that sound effect. Uh, goes right in. Go to goes right into the next song. California's just a feeling. Um, and I made sure that it was panning from the um the right ear to the left ear, so it felt like we were going from east to west, which is a <laughs> a small detail that it's pretty minuscule, but I thought it was I thought it was fun. Wonderful, and so um, you um, you obviously weren't a, a huge fan of um, New York. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a pretty it is a pretty bitter song in a lot of ways, and it's I don't even really connect with that bitterness as much right now. I feel like I've really came a long way with New York since I wrote that song, but. I mean, you know, that's what songwriting is, is there's little snapshots of of time. And clearly, you know, that needed to be expressed. So I don't regret expressing it, but I, I, I think it's really I, I try to um, make it clear throughout this album, because I have like three songs that are kind of on this similar theme about cities and moving. The, the joke's really on me. I mean, I'm, you know, New York is an amazing place in so many ways. And I'm really trying to say, well, I'm the problem. I mean, I'm the person who moved on. Uh, and there's no reason to project all this uh, anger and negativity on an inanimate object, you know, the concept of a New York a place that doesn't really exist um it's coming from me so i hope that comes across i mean maybe it doesn't come across as well in that song as i as i'd liked but um you know that being said yeah i mean i was there for like nine or ten years and um you know i went there for college when i was 18 so met a lot of great people and i had a lot of really great formative experiences um but it just ultimately I'm just not cut out for it. I, I I think in a lot of ways. I mean, you just I think a really certain type of person. You have to have a certain kind of personality to really to really thrive there. You have to really be a have a better work ethic than me. You have to be more okay. You have to have a higher stress tolerance than me. I mean, you know, I get flustered and I just need to disappear into the woods and meditate. So like, it's not. I can't quite handle that. I can't quite handle that that pace anymore uh just so in, in old that. yeah that's really and that's 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 really so much of it 
is about. I mean, obviously, this song does have some more overt political statements, which um, was interesting because, you know, a lot of these issues post-George Floyd really came a lot more to the forefront. And I had already written, I mean, that, that song was written like way before that happened. Um, so it was kind of interesting that that those things coalesce and that did make me feel better about putting the song out because, you know, at, when I first wrote the lyrics about the cops, I just think I had a natural feeling of, oh, is this too, is this too mean? Is this too dark towards cops? But I know ultimately I stand by it and that is what happened. So I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm saying anything that's, you know, not true. I'm, you know, I'm really trying to stick to the facts of, of what happens as I saw them, but um yeah right, yeah new york is um i and so i've lived there and and i liked it and um you know i would return it um mm -hmm. i think you you know it's it's really it's an acquired taste and um i think it mm -hmm. definitely any place you are can it can really it can really affect you dependent on where you are in life and and what's going on in in what yeah, your yeah. aim is and, and you know what i mean what's just, just what's going on in your your mind and your heart at the time i i think definitely can impact that and so tell me about being a trekkie <laughs> i love i love star trek the original uh, or no the original is the only one that i never watched actually uh really? i've here are my stats i've seen the next generation twice which i'm proud of and um I've watched all of Voyager, and I'm currently getting through DS9, actually, which is pretty... It took me a while to get on board with DS9, but now that I'm in it, I'm hooked. Because it's so... I don't know if you've ever seen DS9, but... I haven't. They're basically on, like, a gas... It's basically a gas station in space. It's not a starship. It's just, like, and, a way station. Yeah, it's just a way station, so it's it kind of has... Stop. Yeah. It's got this like bull vibe to it. Um, and you get to meet a lot of characters who are more, they're just normal people because you know, all the other shows, they're Starfleet officers and they're these very highfalutin people. And uh, DS9, you get to, you get a sense of what life's actually like in the 24th century uh, for the, for the regular, the regular folk, which is really, I think is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I love Star Trek. Like what, what's not to love. I mean, the, and this is actually, I'll quote Benji Hughes on this because this is something that he said that made me laugh. He's like, listen, you put on an episode of Star Trek, the worst possible scenario is you're, you're, you hang out in space with some some dudes and some ladies for a couple of minutes. Like, Because some episodes are flops, but you're, you're still in space. Like, It's still fun to see different planets. So, uh, you know, it's, it's great. Ethics and morality and all that stuff. It's all there. It's all in Star Trek. I can't believe you you never saw the original and um I know it's sad I'm embarrassed I'd like to watch it <laughs> I would like to watch it Yeah I I I mean you know the thing is is um I think it's transitioned I you know and so my generation when when you say Trekkie it's 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 the original Star Trek and I, I think there was like yeah. 26 episodes like it was a really limited series like it only went for like a year or two and almost got canceled I think um Lucille Ball um, yeah, ended up yeah ended up producing it and you know kept it alive, and you know ended up creating 
millions of weirdos like you and I. And so <laughs> I love the, sure. the original Star Trek. And um, I even watched some of the movies. Like some of the movies were pretty good, but um, I never really got into the new stuff. Um, I think by the time a lot of the newer shows started coming out, I was kind of past watching television very often. And so I was, <clears> you know, everything was moving to, to other platforms and, and, you know, that's where I was hanging out. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's awesome. it's yeah. only, so, I mean, yeah, no, I love the Lucille Ball fact. And when I learned that, I just look, cause I already loved Lucille Ball and that just made me love her like 10,000 times more if that was possible. And it's funny, like, cause watching it on Netflix is such a different experience. And I don't know if I could have got through all those episodes if I had to sit through commercials because <laughs> like every time <laughs> every time they hit a cliffhanger and like there's suspenseful music and they're frozen and like wow so that would have been three or four minutes we would have had to sit through commercials and that happens multiple times and my netflix brain can't even process but when you can binge star trek i mean man that's that's living yeah if you can get through a, an entire season of star trek without a single honey nut cheerio commercial <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm turning um, on my own. I'm turning on my own people there. We have, um, we have AT and T and and like for you know television internet and um, yeah. If you don't have it, don't get it because it sucks. And um, and so just you know what it does is it like hypes you up. It gives you like 10, 15 minutes of like show, and then all of a sudden there's like eight minutes of this light blue banner that says something about thank you from AT&T or something like that. Yeah. And it will go off and then you'll get like three minutes of, a, of the program. And then it goes back to that. And so that's one of the main reasons I don't watch it. And so I have no idea what the channel channel lineup is like where to find something or, or anything like that. It just sucks. That's but, frustrating. Um, it's super frustrating. <laughs> I, um, and so do you do, um, you know, and so obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic and you can't do anything right now, but do you, do you normally do like live shows and stuff? So I was really planning on coming out of live show hibernation and then COVID happened. Um, but no, before that I really wasn't because basically, so I was in a band uh, called Jackpot Tiger who people should listen to because I think we made some great music and we played shows all the time. I mean, I was playing like, and we were playing like once every month, at least, I feel like for a couple of years. And it was great. And then I really just went into deep, deep studio hibernation for a while. I just I couldn't handle being on stage anymore. I was becoming kind of a megalomaniac in the band. Like I'm kind of the bandmate who is kind of the annoying control freak and, <laughs> you know, like plays plays people's bass parts in the studio i mean really i mean i was a pain i mean they would my former bandmates i'm sure would say that so i needed to kind of just go off on my own for a little bit and and i was just in the studio and it was literally a basement in uh, at frisbee so i feel like i was just literally underground for a couple of years <laughs> just just making music that way and i loved it um but making this most recent record, The Marble Jar, I was definitely ready to kind of get back out there and play some shows. And so we still plan to. Um, we meaning I should have a pretty big shout out to um, my friend Doug, who produced and mixed this record. And he played a ton of guitar on it. Um, 
and he's a super talented dude. So, so me and him, we're kind of going to hope to play as a duo and get like one other, maybe another person to join the band, but more, more of like an acoustic kind of vibe. I don't know if we're going to have like a drummer and all that stuff, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We, we did a live stream. That was pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. We did a live Instagram live stream. Nice. And, and so did it, and so that is that on your page? Can it, can someone go onto your page and find that? Yeah, that's all my that's on my Instagram uh, page, I believe. So, yeah, it was fun. We played down the whole record, actually, uh, from start to finish. And and acoustic. Yeah, he was on electric and I was on acoustic. Um, But yeah, no, no drums or or keyboards or anything like that. I mean, because that's really I really wrote a lot of these songs, kind of classic singer songwriter style, which is a guitar and um, lyrics which was really very different for me because my first album, Kind of Sutra, was such a studio album because I had access to it because I was literally, I would work from like 10 to 6 or whatever on whatever we had to do. Um, And then I could work at night, really, and I had access to all this amazing gear. I mean, it's just incredible studio. And so I would just kind of build an album from brick by brick uh, studio style which was awesome. But coming to the marble jar, I just got really kind of overwhelmed with the computer, I think. And I would just like, I want to get back to the basics and I would just kind of want to write a song that sounds good and I can play it in four minutes and it, it kind of checks out before I even open up pro tools, you know, before I even get into that stuff. And, and that was really nice. It was a really nice way to work and get back in touch with that, that style of working. Cause that, you know, that's how I started writing songs when I was like 12 or whatever, you know, I didn't have, recording software so and so you started writing at 12 um when did you yeah. start your first instrument what what got you what made you decide yeah. that was it writing that started to what how did it begin what came first the chicken or the egg the writing or the, <laughs> the instrument no it really came first with the saxophone i mean i really got into music first like a lot of like a lot of people who just start playing an instrument in band in like fourth or fifth grade, but I, I mean, I really loved it. And I playing the saxophone was, um, was a revelation. I was just, I could just make sound like that. And I got really into jazz. And so I really learned jazz before I learned anything, which, um, was kind of bizarre because I don't really listen to much jazz or play that much jazz anymore, but I do feel like it has informed my, it's informed my style a little bit actually. So, um, yeah, I was doing that. And then I feel like sixth or seventh grade, I got into guitar because um, my town, I grew up in a suburb of Philly and it just had a really great music scene, like a local music scene. And there were just tons of bands. And there were a lot of um, a lot of like hardcore bands, like a lot of uh, punk bands and hardcore bands, pop punk um, and that kind of stuff. So it was pretty intimidating for me because i mean you listen to my music i'm about as flowery like gentle as it gets so i would roll up to these shows and i was even more flowery and delicate (laughs) as an 11 year old and i would roll up to the vfw and there'd just be these scary dudes moshing with uh a lot of muscles and tattoos and just screaming for (laughs) but i loved it though i was really (laughs) into. don't get me wrong but i was kind of tintillated and into it and scared at the same time so uh, ah, lost my train of thought, but yeah, so that kind of got me into like guitar music. And so I just got an acoustic guitar 
And yeah, I started writing songs instantly. Like I didn't even learn how to play Day Tripper. I mean, I, le I learned how to play Day Tripper, but I didn't learn how to play Zeppelin or the Eagles. Like I, I kind of skipped that whole learn how to get play guitar thing. And I just started um, writing songs with like two or three chords um, right away, which I was super which I was super into. Like, I didn't really want to riff. I've really never been a riffer. <laughs> no interest in the riffs. Um, so yeah, I'd say that it just got started and I just kept going from there and collaborating with other people and joining bands and forming smaller bands and that kind of stuff. I always so, wonder when a, um, when a mu musician first starts out and so you're, you know, whether it's, you know, you're, you're a lyricist and so you're just writing or, or, mm -hmm. you know, there's these instruments, um, I always wonder, and so, you know, at 11, 12 years old, you know, pin in hand, yeah. I mean, what were you, what were you thinking? Where were you going? What were, what was the aspiration? Um, <laughs> I think angst and I think mainly angst and girls, very cliched themes. Um, but, you know, I was, I was a pretty well-behaved kid i mean you know i got good grades i stayed out of the fray i really wasn't i really wasn't too much trouble i'd say maybe my parents would differ but <laughs> um, but but music was a way to i mean i think literally my first song was called start the rebellion so i think music was just always this like this kind of alternative shadow self to bring in some kind of some youngian some youngian vibes this kind of shadow self that just wanted to rebel and wanted to um be irritating and all that stuff coming out in music so i mean that's really it i i, I wish i had some a better answer for you but what's the, i like what's the, yeah what's the most irritating thing you do now what's a lot a, of things yeah nice like what i mean i i chew with my mouth open really um i mean i really make an effort not to but when i take my eye off the ball i just I can't help it. I get too excited about eating and food. You're like, fuck it, I'm gonna enjoy this. Yeah, it's. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I don't know, man. I plenty of irritating things. Now, now I can't think of any. But uh, <laughs> see, if we were live streaming, if we were live streaming, your friends would be blowing us up right now. They would be like, "Hey, Alex does this. Yeah, Alex does that." And, plenty, um, of, plenty of annoying things too. Yeah. I don't do. I do absolutely nothing annoying. Um, nothing I was going to say, you struck me like that. You struck me as a very non-irritating person. Oh no, I'm I'm incredibly irritating. I was I was <laughs> I was making light. Um, yeah, I'm incredibly irritating. Uh, purposely most of the time, just to yeah. you know, just to do it. But um, well, you got to push. You got to push the envelope. That's the thing. You got to figure out what the line is by pushing the envelope, and that's that's something I kind of was trying to mess with a little bit, especially with the comedic aspects of, of some of these songs. Um, you know, just ver dipping my toes into kind of uncomfortable territories. And I think you definitely hit on, you hit on the nail on the head with the honesty thing. Um, Cause that was really a pretty big intention for me writing this album but you know, honesty isn't pretty, and it's it, you know, being vulnerable takes a lot of. Um, I well, now I just sound like I'm tooting my own horn, and I'm really not trying to. But you know, it it does it does take courage to admit the things that you're not good at or that you're not proud of. 
especially, and I do feel like it's kind of a gendered thing. I feel like men in general have, you know, we got to be tough. We got to be strong. So, uh, especially with like the opposite of sex appeal is a song on my record. And, um, those kind of songs, I'm really trying to hit on this whole idea of masculinity and what is it? And like, why do we have to hang on to it so tightly? And where, where is it fucking us up in our relationships? Um, that, you know, from my experience, I shouldn't say we, because who knows what other people are feeling, but I have a suspicion that some other people might relate. I, I think you're probably right. I, I actually played the opposite of sex appeal for someone this morning. And, um, I was like, Hey, come right. here. And so my girlfriend, um, I was like, Hey, come here. I'm like, you got to hear this. Um, and so she's heard, <laughs> right. She's heard some of the album, but not all of it. And, um, She's not, you know, she likes music, but she's not like an avid listener. Which that's the like the only thing in the world that bugs me about her, is that um, I I think that you should live life with headphones on. I'm just, but that's just me. Yeah. And so anybody that doesn't do that to me, it just seems kind of unnatural. It's like um, it's like never seeing the original Star Trek. You know <laughs> what the hell? I know. I know it's wild. <laughs> I agree with you there. But um. And so we played the song this morning and I was just like, and so she comes back with, oh, it's really sweet. And, and, mm. you know, I, and so she's like a girl, you know, yesterday she was distracted by a dog in a sweater and, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, but that's exactly the way it is. And so if we see a dog in the sweater we're you know, we make, you know, oh, look at that, you know, and so there are definitely you know, still these gender roles and these, these, you know, <clears throat> this is, this is who you must be. And, and so I think your album, your, your, your lyrics, especially, um, it, 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 it kind of takes all that away and says, Hey, you know, um, so yeah. this right here, this is who I am. And I'm going to, I'm going to put it in this, this format that's incredibly palatable. And, you know, um, the thing is, is I think you're right. I, I don't think that you're going to be able to listen to the album and and not identify, you know, I, I just mm. don't think it's going to be possible. Not if you're. And so tell me about um, tell me about your therapist, man. Um, <laughs> and so you're in love with your therapist. And, and yeah. I, I kind of need to know about that. It's true. Um, yeah. So we've been we've been in a therapeutic relationship for, <laughs> for a while. <laughs> Like, um, man, I think going on like seven years and, um, it was just one of those instant, it was one of those instant matches really. Cause a lot of people, they really struggle with finding a therapist that vibes with them. And I think you totally should, you, you know, you got to find someone that works for you because the, the relationship itself is the most important. It's more important than whatever theoretical background they're coming from or whatever, you know? So yeah, so got lucky there. Um, I mean, you know, with that song was tough because I'm trying to walk a line between like over uh, romantic and sexual sexual feelings, which is kind of I feel like some people interpret it that way, but you know, it's really not that at all. Um, you know, it's it's more of like, well, the therapeutic relationship just kind of occupies this weird space. Cause it's, you know, it's not quite a friend. It's not, it not really a business transactional relationship. You know, it's not a romantic partnership, but, but it's so intimate and it's so, uh, you know, you're sharing all your secrets really with this person. And, um, 
yeah so i mean it was kind of just more of a love letter to to that in in general um so yeah and that's her too by the way on the uh the dialogue in the beginning mr khan really that's awesome yeah, yeah she did it on her iphone i thought that was pretty cool i was glad to have her doing a cameo that is <laughs> i um and so i i love the album i love the i love that track it um and so my therapist, you know, I haven't seen my therapist in, in quite a while, and um, I really miss him. Um, the world misses me seeing him. But um, I get that. <laughs> I get, you know, because, um, you know, you, you're sitting there, you're talking to this person, and anything and everything that, that is really important and, and, and held close, um, you know, these things are able to, you know, you're able to bring them out and, and not feel awkward or, or too awkward. And, um, so yeah, I definitely can get that, that there's that connection that's, it's almost indefinable, you know, mm. it's, um, yeah. you know, yeah. where, where do the boundaries begin? Where do they end? Um, do I send you a Facebook request or, or, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, what's appropriate, <laughs> but, um, let's listen to the song. Let's do it. As I recline on the leather, free associating, I think you must like me better than the patients you keep waiting, or clients as you call them, are you bored by their problems, do my stories make you teary, or do you just have allergies, oh no, whoa. Last for the kickball game. Oh no, whoa, whoa. Wet the bed and cried in shame. Oh no, whoa, whoa. The bullies said my shoes were lame. Oh no, whoa, whoa, whoa. I bet you never heard problems like this. And I bet you Don't know much about you except a few simple facts. You live somewhere out in Jersey with two birds and a cat. And after spilling all my secrets, I think I deserve a little more than telling me your favorite Girl Scout cookie flavor is some more. Oh no, whoa, whoa, did I step over? an emergency next time oh no whoa 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 nobody listens to me like you do and if i didn't have you oh i just wouldn't have a clue about 
See, that's her too at the end. <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's really cool that, that yeah. she was willing to do that. Yeah, I was I was like, hmm, I don't know if you're going to be into this, but I have an idea. I have a proposition and she was into it, so. Nice. Nice. And so, what did and so I think Spotify you have like 36 37,000 monthly listeners. What has mm -hmm. um and I mean, I guess that answers the question right there. You know what the the response has been from your fans with the album. Yeah, um, I mean, it's been pretty great. I mean, first of all, I'm kind of a I'm just like a a moron when it comes to anything uh, <laughs> business music business related. So uh, I really tried hard. I'm like this time around, I'm going to make an effort to put this music out there. I'm going to try to use social media because I was off social media for like a year. It was the best year of my life. But I'm like, well, now, especially during COVID, there ain't no other way to, to communicate. So I'm like, I got to get back on Instagram. So I found a way to make it appealing to myself, I think, really. Um, meaning I'm just going to do stupid, silly stories that are funny to me and hope that resonates. And uh, so that's been going pretty well. And to answer your question, um, the people that have digested the record really really have been responding to it very well so that's been a really um really nice to have a lot of just genuine conversations with people who talk to me about the record and uh 
So, you know, I think what I lack in terms of quantity of fans, I like to think that I make up for in quality because people definitely, if if they like it, they really seem to, unless they're fibbing to me, but I don't think they are. They seem to like it. So, yeah, I've been really happy with it. And I just wish I knew how to do more, frankly. I wish I, I wish I could sustain this kind of promotional stance, but it's just so unnatural for me, frankly. And I just... I get so tired of it. I mean, after like a month or two of promoting this record, I'm just like, all right, on to the next thing. I, I, I lose. I don't know. Maybe it's kind of like an ADD thing, but I just, uh, it's, it's so, so to answer your question, it's been hard, but I found a way. That's how I would right. sum it up. And so the, and so there's a lot of engagement. People are, are reaching out and saying, you know, we like the music and, and. Yeah, I'd and, say so. Yeah, and do you and so you a lot of interaction back and forth of of do they ask you questions? Do they want to know about the music? Does it does it is it resonating with them? Yeah, I would say the interactions I do have definitely people. Um, I mean, I think people like to tell me about their responses and their reactions, especially with the with the more um, sadder songs that are more difficult, like the ones that are really about grief. Um, people have really been resonating with that and you know people tell me i cried a lot i cried to this i cried to that which is so funny because i'm such a people pleaser that i almost my knee-jerk reaction is to feel to apologize i'm like i'm sorry i didn't did you want to cry because (laughs) if you didn't want to cry i truly feel bad um you know and then i kind of have like a vegan anthem at the end which i'm just constantly self-conscious about that people are just like fuck this dude and he's just trying to make me feel bad for eating a burger i'm like i'm really not i'm really not i'm just trying to speak <laughs> i'm just trying to speak my my truth here and frankly that's why i put that song for what at the end of the record cuz i'm like you can enjoy the 11 songs and if you want to just tune out that last one that's fine i'm giving you that option it might not be for you that's funny Maybe, so maybe just a maybe a warning label, and um, you know, yeah. um, crybabies and meat eaters beware. Um, this is crybabies um, and what? Meat oh, eater. meat eaters. Meat yeah, eaters. Yeah. Um, and so I'm yeah. both, and uh, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm I'm definitely both. I um, you know, I'm not sensitive about the the vegan thing. I was for a while as a chef because you know I just didn't yeah. want to stop what I was doing and have to. Ma- I'm like, dude, there's a cafe gratitude's like right down the street and they oh i love cafe really cafe. fucking good and here you are like all up in my shift you no, know yeah that, i i can, me. i can okay. empathize that does that does sound frustrating and there are certain um, that's yeah. the thing though is we um and so we did um jackfruit i'd never messed with jackfruit in my life and so we made i made yeah. some and um I YouTube that shit. I was like, hey, I don't know anything about this. And so I looked it up on YouTube and I was like, this sounds disgusting. And <laughs> I want it to taste better than this sounds. And so I, I just jacked with it and toyed with it. And jacked I, with it. I know. Um, and so I, I, I made this um, Korean barbecue, like pulled jackfruit sandwiches. And um, hell yeah. People came in and we had, we had a, a shit ton of vegans that would come in. And I'm like, dude, we have a giant <laughs> smoker, like half the size of my garage out, out back. And you're mm-hmm. in here talking about jackfruit. And um, 
people loved it and i was i was I, I it was awesome i was touched it was like you know if if i can do something and that was kind of that turning point of okay that's cool if i can do something that you really dig and it's like a big part of your life then maybe i should be a little more accommodating and um yeah. and so that's been really cool but um that's awesome. I yeah, that sounds delicious. Because I was gonna say to you earlier, jackfruit even came to mind. I'm like, I bet he's into barbecue and stuff, and jackfruit is the move. And also, the a shout out to Beyond Meat and Impossible. I don't know if you if you um had any of that, but that's stuff's pretty good. I haven't. I uh, my, you know my experience with that uh, with with like anything that was like a meat substitute, um, yeah. was really early on, and it was like maybe Morningstar, I think. Oh, um, no, they've a long way. You got to try yeah. the impossible. You can't even taste the difference with the impossible. It's crazy. Yeah, it's just, you know, that's the thing is if you're going to do it, um, I mean, if you're going to prepare this, not not if you're going to eat it, but if you're going to prepare this for somebody, um, put some fucking effort into it. It, it really can yeah. be good. Um, yeah. So tell me, tell me about Lorelei. Mm. The song or the dog? Both. Both. <laughs> is it uh, and so is Lorelai? Do you still have her? Yeah, uh huh. Mm -hmm. is she she's there? downstairs. She's oh, downstairs. Um, yeah, she's a good girl. I mean, you know, she's just a great dog, and I've always loved dogs. Had dogs most of my life, and um, but this was yeah, she was the first dog I, I really got as an adult. So just a very special special connection, and uh. I just kind of wrote that song. It's, that's one of those songs that to me is kind of representing like physical motion um, because, you know, the guitarist. Do I have my guitar here? Oh, yeah, you do. It's like, um, let me just put the cable on one sec. You know. Like to me, it has this very steady walking pace. Um, but a gentle walking pace. And I just feel like I did so much of my thinking about, you know, going through losing my dad and all the crazy shit that I was dealing with when I was writing this album was really fleshed out walking her in because I was living in LA at the time. And, you know, the weather's always great. So we were just out just walking all the live long day. And um, I would write a lot of songs that way. I mean, even not just Lorelai. Like I would kind of have an idea in the studio and then it was kind of wasn't coming to me and I would just walk for like an hour and then I pretty much finished the song um, in my head. I mean, I'd still have to go back and like flesh it out. But so it was just, I just love, <laughs> it was just great. I just loved spending that time with her. And they're just like this silent witness to the whole thing, you know, like these these dogs. So they're, they're paying attention to everything we're doing, you know, even stuff we don't completely private thing, right? They're kind of voyeurs in a way. Um and but they can't ever speak. They can't ever they can't ever sell us out. So uh <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> wanted to write, I kind of wanted to write about that and it also touches on um this idea of like pre-grief, um, which is really just a person preparing for like, if you know someone is going to pass away, um, you know, your body, your body and your psyche really kind of mentally prepares you for that. Um, however, that looks like. And I kind of felt that I always feel that way about dogs because I'm always thinking about, you know, 
that she's only going to be around for a couple more years and then that's it. It's like they live so short and it's so tragic. It's like this kind of, tra you know, I mean, I guess I'm a negative Nancy and then I'm always like finding the misery in things, but um, it's this beautifully tragic thing that we do. We just bring them into our lives and we know that they're only going to be around for like 10, 12, 15, or less, whatever it is, years, and that you're going to face that very difficult pain. I mean, you know, I mean, the, like when my family dog died, I was just devastated. I mean, it really absolutely devastated. Um, so yeah, it's just, I kind of wanted to, to get into those things with that song. Yeah. It seems kind of, um, it's almost like a sick joke because, you know, my dog yeah. is like, yeah, you know, my dog is like one of the coolest beings that I know. And she doesn't, yeah. um, you know, and so she absolutely, you know, you're right. She can't tell on me or sell me out, but she judges, <laughs> man. She's super judgy. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm eating something, um, and I haven't offered, you know, she's sitting there <laughs> looking at me and it's almost like, yeah. you know, you have a guest, I'm right here and <laughs> you haven't offered me anything to eat, anything to drink and here, you, you know, it's just super yeah. judgy, but I love her and she's awesome. And, um, I was actually thinking about that the other day, you know, just laying in bed and she is, and so she's this Malinois and she's like 60 pounds. And she wants to spoon, man. Like she just, that's her oh, thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, the idea that, that one day she will be gone is kind of devastating. Um, because yeah. you can look at her and just, you know, like if, if you were a human being, you would be the perfect person. Like you're just super cool and, and not an asshole. And, and yeah. everybody, you know, once kind of determined safe is, is, is okay. And, um, yeah, they just, they just, I don't know. And so I, I thought there for a second, you were going to do the song. And so we have the song and so we have an option here. We can, yeah. we can, we can play the song. You can play the song. You can play part of the song. I can sing. I can play the whole song. What do you want to oh, sure. do? Sure. What do you want to do? Um, yeah, I'd be down to play the song. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. I, uh, I just put these fresh strings on this thing, so they may be a little out of tune, but let me let me just tune them up. You can edit out the tuning, right? <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's like part of it, man. <laughs> that's what people want to see and know, man. Yeah, she should have been up here, but uh, she'd probably bark. You know, I, you know, I thought about because I thought, you know, he might have Lorelai up there, and I'll, I'll bring mine in, and you know, um, mine tends to, um, and so we have three dogs. They tend to, um, they, it's a chain reaction with them. It's a um, a chain reaction. <laughs> yeah, and so one one barks or one notices that something is amiss in the universe, and they all go nuts, and. Um, so normally she will, and so she used to have a chair here and, um, she had a chair and she would come in and hang out and I would record an entire episode and, you know, at most she would just look at me, but, um, if the other dogs, you know, hear something, see something, sense something, you know, it's, it's this yeah. whole big barking yeah. thing. <laughs> I know they're, they're, they're kind of copycats, whatever's going on there. 
All right, I think I got to take the mute off the. I just plugged the guitar in. Oh yeah, I can hear it. Yeah, does that? Can you hear that? Good balance. Yeah, that's great. All right, cool. All right, well, let's do it. Yeah, the song's called Lorelai. Walking down the quiet side of Nebraska Avenue, you set the pace and I abide. We're getting nowhere very soon. The same fire hydrant, the same patch of grass, the same barking migrants. Distract you as we pass Lorelei All the words I say to you Slip away like red balloons And get lost in the clouds Lorelei You know the sky is falling down you're the cover that I found So don't you ever leave Some days I worry you'll get loose And chase the squirrel that's taunting you I got a few gates on the stoop A GPS collar to boot Don't follow your paws don't chase that ball Won't put a poster of your face On the laundromat wall Lorelei All the words I say to you Slip away like red balloons And get lost in the clouds Lorelei, you know the sky is falling down, and you're the cover that I found, so don't you ever leave. As you're lounging on the bed, twitching your lake to a dream. Think of something I once read about a dog who lived to be 23. I research his diet, his exercise plan. I want you to try it, but you think it's too bland. One day when you have to go, I'll walk Nebraska all alone. Singing to you my sweet low, and taking pictures on my phone of your favorite dumpster or subway stairs. I can't wait to show you 
when I meet you up there, Lorelai. All the words I say to you slip away like red balloons and get lost in the clouds. Lorelai, you know the sky is falling down And you're the cover that i found So don't you ever leave So don't you ever leave So don't you ever leave Man, and so have you? Have you played? Do you play that for her? Uh, she I think it? at this, I think at this point she's she's over it. <laughs> I'll say it. I'll say it. I'm like I'm like girl. This is your song. This is our song. But she's like I've heard it ten thousand times, man. I'm does a, she, does she look at you like you're a groupie? <laughs> <laughs> you know that, that I'm the groupie. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. She's like she's lost respect for me. I think. Nice, nice. Yeah, mine, mine has zero respect for me. She loves me. She's incredibly judgy. Zero yeah. respect. But we are, we are ultimately, we're still cool. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm. She'll snuggle with me, but you know. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. What's um? And so, what's what's next for you? Where are you um? Where are you going as a musician? Well, it's a great question. Uh, the future is unwritten, but. Um, I, I'm, I kind of got another record actually in the wings. Um, that's, uh, I'm almost done writing actually. I've been writing this one for like this past year. Um, and I feel like it's kind of, it's kind of similar to the back half of the mobile jar, just even digging deeper into the, into the kind of moodier acoustic, um, darker songs. Uh, because I feel like, I mean, that's, I think that's where I've been, that's where I've been in 2020, right? And 2020 has not been a year of jokes and fun. So, um, and it's, it's been a lot of songs kind of trying to explore like how I feel about spirituality, which is something that it's been a part of my life for a while. I mean, you know, I've been a meditator for like a long time and, um, you know, I love all that stuff. I love yoga. I love breathing. And so I feel like I have a relationship with the great unknown or the great mystery or God or whatever you want to call it. But I don't quite have the, I don't know how to articulate it, right? Because I, I, I kind of grew up as kind of an atheist and I still feel like I identify as an atheist generally, but um, there's something else out there that I want to kind of explore through song. So that's kind of what most of these these songs have been about, and I don't know. They're they're definitely different. I mean, maybe people won't be into them as much, but uh, I think I think some of it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think people are probably going to really be into whatever you bring next. It it is just sitting here listening. I mean, it, and it's so it's it's really just the next chapter of you. And um, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing as an artist, um, you know. Um, you know, artists that tend to be successful, that tend to, to be healthy, to be happy, to, to love what they do. It, 
it's it's an expression of who they are it's there's so much of 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 them in what they do and there's so much you in what you do that um you know i think people are going to resonate with that um you know the thing is is you, it's we can absolutely look at each other's lives and and see these similarities and and these emotions and these feelings and these these situations and um you know so i i think that definitely is is going to you know go over as well as the last album did and and, and there's going to be that sound and so is your is your sound uh, do you think your sound is signature do you think it, do you think that you're going to that that will transition over time or or Well, I don't know if it's, I mean, I don't know if I'm a fair person to say if it's, if it's signature or not. I mean, I definitely have, you know, little things I do with the guitar that I feel, um, but you know, music, it's tough to really like music is something that I think that we all share and it's, uh, it's tough sometimes to put your stamp and your name on music and be like, this is mine because, you know, not to neglect the individual's role, but I mean, you know, it's all coming from somewhere and we're all drawing inspiration. And I think music, especially more than any other art form just has this ephemeral quality to it because it's not tangible and it's just kind of happening in our head. And in that way we can really never hold on to it. Um, and I really like thinking of music that way, you know, it's just kind of something that almost like breeze that just kind of breezes through us for a time. And, and, you know, we can put our names on things and we could be conduits of, we could be conduits of that energy and that music, but um, to really call it our own, I think I have a hard time doing that. And I hope that's not a cop out to your question. <laughs> no, I, I think I it's, it. I think it's, it's an answer. Um, and so if you if you guys get to tour this year um what types mm -hmm. of um what types of venues are you are you looking at what where, yeah. where would you play oh man i mean i'd love to it would be so fun um i mean i think i think smaller more cozy venues i definitely imagine this music doing well and i must imagine people sitting down a lot of times for, for this <laughs> music because like i'll probably be sitting down um so yeah if that makes sense or or um and not no, no places where people would be banging around with like uh laser lights or anything or pyrotechnics i don't think that would be, i don't think <laughs> right. that would make hey if people are into it you know yeah. hit me up the yeah, it doesn't, industry. yeah it doesn't seem like um it just doesn't seem like your vibe you know you um you seem to have this um your music at least seems to have this kind of, um, kind of a laid back. Um, I just don't know. I, you know, that's the thing. I think that's one of the things that really bugs me about you is I, I can't, um, I can't put you in a box. And, um, I think I, you know, I think in our society, we love, um, you know, we love the comfortability of this is who yeah. you are and this is where you belong. And, um, you know, it's why I love to talk to artists. I, um, I, I can't, um, I can't confine them and, um, you know, their, their experience, their life, their, their expression of who they are, the world that as they view it is, um, you know, it's not something that you can control. And I, I think that's amazing. Thanks, man. And I mean, I really, uh, I'm glad you said that because 
that's always something that I want to be going for is just being unapologetically messy, really, because that has been my experience in life is that life is just super messy and weird and that lab putting things in labels and boxes is just a convenience and it doesn't really make sense. I don't really think it's represented representative of what our lives look like. You know what I mean? And we, cause we need to put labels on things to sell. I mean, right. Cause we're not existing outside of any kind of, we're not like in a cultural vacuum. I mean, what's the dominant way people, um, deal with things right now is through consumer, you know, consuming and labeling. So it makes sense that the music industry wants to put people in boxes and they want to say, Hey, this dude sounds like this guy. And then you might like it. That's makes sense. They're trying to make money, but from an artistic standpoint, um, all you can be is yourself. And that goes for everybody, whether you're, you're a quote unquote artist or not, like you, you're just stuck, <laughs> you're stuck with yourself. So you might as well get used to it. And you might as well like figure, get curious about, all the weirdness and the messiness that you do entail as an individual, because it's beautiful. I agree. I agree. And so you've got, um, you've got a new album in the work. Yeah. Um, at some point, you know, if, when, and if the world heals a little more, um, possibly a, a, a very intimate sit down tour coming, um, pyrotechnics optional and <laughs> right. And, um, We'll be serving your jackfruit sliders too if you if we play nice. in uh, Kansas City there. That would be awesome. Um, and so I would love to have you back. I would love to to sit down with you again. Um, maybe we can invite Lorelai this time, and um, we can we can just sit down, listen to some music, talk, and um, see where you've been, what you've what you've been up to. For sure, man. That would be great. Um, definitely appreciated talking with you and, uh, yeah, we, I think we could do it more. We got more ground. As you can tell, I could yap about, I could yap about things for a long time. So keep the tape rolling. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, sir, I, I appreciate your time today, man. Your music is absolutely unbelievable. And, um, Thank you. I will, um, I would, I will look forward to, to having you back and I, I hope you have the most amazing year. 